Welcome to Where Are You Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. I am tonight's co-host, Isabella Vandero from Manila, Philippines, studying computer science, and I'm an RA at Palladium. And I'm Tom Ellett, who serves as the co-host and as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs. Isabel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Computer science. Mm-hmm. Love to hear what made you go in that direction for your academic career. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. I actually started out wanting to go into pre-law. I started out in like politics and that track. And I think it was like my first year. I like stumbled upon this like online course, like as like an intro to computer science thing. And I like loved it. Um, It was just so interesting to me. And then I took like an intro to computer science class at Courant and loved it. Like my professor was so supportive. Um, And yeah, it just pushed me towards that track. So that's great feedback and uh, to give to your residents, like try (laughs) something. You never know where you will end up here at NYU. And how is the RA job going for you? Oh, it's going great. First of all, shout out to my staff at Palladium. They're just the best people. Yeah, not even just like our student staff, like our building leadership team is amazing. David and Lady, she keeps sending new (laughs) podcast hosts. I love it. Lady, shout out again. Yes. um, Yeah, it's really been an awesome experience. It's my first year as an RA. Mm -hmm. And the Palladium, centrally located, Union Square, no complaints. No complaints at all. I always lived near to campus before. Um, so this is like the farthest I've lived. But no complaints though. Like the area is so great. There's just like lots of places to eat. And yeah, that's just Union Square. Look at mm-hmm. that. No complaints and first year RA enjoying <laughs> life. Good for you. So we have a good guest tonight. Yes, we do. Tonight our guest is Jonathan Graff, who served as an RA at Weinstein for Ryan Sylvester, Mecca Scott, Allison Kestenbaum, Chris Paquette, and Sharon Eng during the 2002 to 2004 academic years. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi. Thanks for joining us <laughs> on today's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. So how are you and where are you? I am doing really well. I am in Staten Island, New York at my parents' house. Wow, Staten Island, one of the five boroughs of New York. It is. It's where I was born and raised. I'm a graduate of the New York City public school system. And I have a room here now and a private bathroom. Yeah. All right. Tell us a little bit about what you've done since you've left and graduated from NYU, Jonathan. Sure. Uh, Since I graduated, I worked at Citigroup and then HBO and then Macmillan and then another ed tech company called Schoology. I joined a community theater group for a while. I took a Yiddish acting class. And then I took some language classes uh, in Yiddish as well and in French. And then last year, I decided to take a break and I started a travel blog. And I took a trip around the world where uh, a little bit of the time I spent documenting my family genealogy. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, okay, let's jump back to your time at Washington Square. What did you study here? 
Yes. Uh, so uh, 15 years ago, uh, I graduated in 04 as a computer science major, and I did uh, two minors, one in French and another in architecture studies. Wow. D- did you always want to go into computer science, Jonathan? I, I think, you know, I was like that kid playing with computers at a really young age. Uh, so it, it seemed like a natural path for me. Okay. What extracurricular activities were you involved in while you were here? While I was at NYU, I was really into hall government and uh, doing the hall newsletter and making it electronic. And um, the Res Life website didn't have uh, specific pages for all of the residence halls. So I also like volunteered time and kind of created templates for the very first version of uh, having pages for all the residence halls on nyu.edu. But we did not have the Kimmel Center at that time. It did not exist yet. It was being built. So I remember those days. It was tough, tough for the community. The clubs were all over the place. We didn't have a central meetings point. That's so interesting. Funny you mentioned that because I actually am the one who does um, or like partly does the newsletter for Palladium. And I'm also um, I'm a web developer for housing. Oh, awesome. There's a lot of connections yeah. here when we do these uh, these podcasts. And, and I don't ask all those follow-up <laughs> questions to get all of that. That's great. That's great. Um, what made you want to be an RA? You know, uh, that um, orientation week freshman year, I got a sense of how NYU student leaders uh, take their jobs very seriously. And I remember orientation week to this day. It had a big effect on me. And I thought that potentially there's an opportunity for me to be a student leader at NYU one day. Awesome. What was it like to work at Weinstein? Oh, Weinstein was a wonderful experience. While I was there... Uh, the residence life department got renamed to residential education and the staff was doubled in size and this effort to give more attention to the freshman students. So there were 30 RAs and I had a uh, roommate, a suite mate who was the other RA on the floor. Tell us a little bit about your relationships with your residents. You know, they were like mostly jolly. Uh, The thing that really sticks out to me is I made, I made the door tags. That was like something I loved doing. And um, I wrote John, and then I guess in the smaller font underneath R-A. And so the kids read it as one word, and they called me genre. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's a good example of like how they viewed me. <laughs> it hasn't stuck, has it? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were kind of like the biggest issues on campus while you were in R-A? That's a great question. You know, uh, when I was an RA, um, it was one year after 9-11. So there was a lot of politics being discussed on campus. There was a lot of fear. We didn't really know how safe we were supposed to feel if something like that could happen again. So the Iraq war was being started. There was protests very frequent. And so some were NYU protests and some were, you know, the entire city was protesting. But outside of politics, there was a sophomore housing crunch and sophomores were spread in uh, residential halls all over campus, some down as far as uh, the financial district on Water Street. The Kimmel Center was under construction, so we didn't have a student life center. And on top of that, Palladium was also under construction. 
So that was where, as you guys know, you know, the gym is. So everyone's like <laughs> kind of waiting for this gym and waiting for a place to have clubs. And <laughs> it was uh, an interesting time. It's a big transition. So Jonathan, tell us a little bit about the skills that you gained from being an RA. Sure. I think my listening skills really grew when I was working with not even so much my residents who I, I did not uh, mind having one-on-ones with. It was really working with the other RAs, my peers, at our uh, weekly uh, leadership meetings, the, the team meetings. We have 30 RAs sitting in a room. And because some of them had schedules that required them to be at rehearsals late at night throughout the week, we had our staff meeting Sunday night at 7.30. It was rough. And people were coming into that room with a lot of energy and a lot of things on their mind. And I learned how to sit there and listen. Wow. Yeah. Um, Speaking like now as an RA, um, staff meeting is definitely sometimes it could be up or down, good or bad. Um, But listening is definitely an important skill. Right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. How did you apply that? Yeah, it's like, similarly to how I felt about being an RA, I kind of thought, oh, um, I was going to have weird interactions with residents, and I was going to have to adjust to how I talk to residents. And that ended up being the easy part. It was really working with the other RAs. uh, um, Yeah, uh, coming up with like, um, events together, and sharing responsibilities. So in all of the jobs that I've had. It's like working with other managers and collaborating with other computer programmers, how you can share tasks, share responsibilities, share the credit, pat each other on the back, reward each other, also point out flaws in a constructive way and not making things personal. Those are all skills that I learned from my time as an RA. Jonathan, let's talk a little bit about your career. Uh, You were immersed in the tech world uh, for a good portion of your mm-hmm. career. What was that transition like when you left to get that first job? And then let's talk a little bit about those transitions in some aspect you ended up working for yourself mm-hmm. as an independent contractor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the contracting thing is new. Um, I've only been doing that for uh, about a year during this travel thing that I did. And now I picked it up again. And, but going from college life to full-time working. For me, I was working part-time while I was also an RA at Con Edison on 14th Street. So it's interesting. I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, I had two jobs during college. I was an RA and I I was a coder. I really didn't realize that until later on. So uh, the adjustment was really like, okay, less school, more office work. But there's, for me, the social element of the res hall uh, was something I, I, I really, really missed once I started the the work life. What's the most memorable thing that has happened to you um, in the field that you're working in right now? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, uh, I was on the team that launched and built HBO Go. So that was really cool. Wow. Yeah, I was there when it had like a secret code name. It used to be called My HBO and was only <laughs> a um, launch in Milwaukee. Wow. In a test market. Yeah, and we were all like not so sure it was going to work or if they were going to cancel the whole project and stuff. So, of course, uh, once it was launched, we uh, were like 
really happy. And I remember like the holiday parties that they did at the Marriott Marquis and how they had unlimited shrimp cocktail. Nice. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was the difference between the different cultures that you worked in in the tech environment? Did you find them very different or were they very much mm. the same? You know, at the big companies like Citigroup and HBO and McMillan, they were very similar. You don't really have access to executives. Of course, the companies have thousands of people and everything is uh, very well documented regarding how you're supposed to work, the processes you're supposed to follow. And at Schoology, it was really a a startup environment. And uh, through my contracting work, I've been working with some startups as well. It's it's almost completely different. Uh, Very few things are written down. Rules are very flexible. Uh, Access to executives is immediate if you uh, really want it to be. And the independent contractor work, how hard is it to stay focused, to be much more alone, but also having to be uh, an entrepreneur to find work? Oh, my God. It's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) So I take it you're not like selling that as a way to go for a young Isabel. Don't go on your own quite yet. Take the full-time work first. Learn the the rules. Got it. Learn, Learn the ropes. You know, the the tools of the trade, figure it out. Uh, The thing I cherish is the freedom and the fact that I can travel and work at the same time. Focusing has been a challenge. Getting clients is actually the biggest challenge. You have to have a reputation. And companies that can actually afford to pay you the kind of money that you need to, like, pay rent in the city, um, they already have relationships with programmers even their own contractors. So without a reputation, it's kind of hard to just expect that you're going to be able to pick up work. But there's websites like Upwork and Remote.co where they have lots and lots of listings for remote work opportunities. You just got to spend the time applying and, and making a case. Is that really the movement now, independent contractors working from home and, and rather than coming into the office? You know, some of my buddies from HBO, that's what they do. I still keep in touch with them, and they've, they're all independent. Well, saves benefits and so forth, uh, office space for uh, big companies to do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. you got to buy the benefits out of pocket, so that's an expense. Um, the payroll taxes are doubled because you don't have your corporate employer paying the Social Security and disability, what is known as the payroll tax. Uh, so, yeah, your expenses uh, are higher, but you might be able to, to ask for a higher rate depending on your client. It's not easy. Wow. Yeah, that seems like a lot of moving factors that you have to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. Moving on to something completely (laughs) different, you mentioned earlier that you took a trip around the world for your family to track your family genealogy. (laughs) Tell us about that. That was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That little thing. Um, So I did have uh, a gig with my contracting job and the contract ended. They didn't extend it. And I thought, well, maybe instead of looking for more work, I can do something radically different and go to Mexico for two months and maybe, you know, find a new client and work from Mexico and do this dream of like working on the beach and stuff. (laughs) What I didn't expect was that while I was in Mexico sleeping in youth hostels that I was going to actually like it. I thought I was going to miss my bed and my studio apartment. I mean, I put everything in storage in Jersey City to sit in there still. And I liked it so much, I said, I'm going to keep backpacking and sleeping in hostels 
and I went to Malaysia, and then I went to Singapore, and then I went to Fiji, and <laughs> then I went to New Zealand. Yeah, I just kept going. I just kept going. So I visited like 17 countries in uh, wow. a year and 23 days, I think is the official count. I stayed in hostels, so those cost anywhere between like 8 bucks and $30 a night, which is way cheaper than hotels. And I ate food from supermarkets, so I wasn't doing any fancy restaurant eating. So I, I didn't spend a crazy amount of money. And I stopped working after about six months into the trip. I, I told the clients. I had three clients by that time. And I was like on the beach in Samoa. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like writing emails and getting stressed. I need to enjoy the fact that I'm doing this crazy trip. And I eventually ended up in Europe where I met up with some friends from New York and we were not clicking. It wasn't working. Like I was kind of in this travel mode, this backpacking thing. And my friends were kind of just taking like a week off from work and something hit me. And I said, this is maybe really a once in a lifetime experience. And I think I need to do some really hard things in my travels that I hadn't planned. And my grandparents are all from Poland um, and they're survivors of World War II. And I freaking flew to Poland. I, I just went. And I know the names of the towns they're from. I've been researching them for years on the internet. But I went to the towns and I went to the town halls and I went to the archives and I went to the libraries and I learned how to say a few sentences in Polish, like, hi, I'm the American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, Amerikanski. Good job. Good anyway, job. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. I mean, I uh, I spent five weeks in Poland digging up documents, and I'm currently in the process of applying for an EU passport based on the documentation that I found. Documentation. Yeah. So was that therapeutic for you in terms of understanding and really touching the places that your family's heritage came from? I think so. I think so. The way my grandparents talk about it is very negative. It's a place they left that they never want to go back to, that uh, they kind of signed off on and said it's not for us, and we're moving on from there. So regarding documentation and any sort of heirlooms, like that doesn't exist in my family. There's no hand-me-downs from the old country they left with very, very little. So when I was in the town of my um, paternal grandfather, there's an old cemetery there that is desecrated. It's an old Jewish cemetery that the Nazis tore up the gravestones and used them to build uh, the road during the war. And I know that my great-grandmother died before the war started. One year, she died in 1937. But we don't really know anything else about her. And while I was there, I found documentation on the internet and in the library using Polish translators and all this stuff. And I found in this desecrated cemetery, there was a standing gravestone. It was my great grandmother's. Wow. There were others, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So I took the pic, I cleaned it up. It was like covered in, uh, you know, they had like a map of like the gravestones with names on them. So I was able to kind of like orient myself and I, yeah, Good for you. it's incredible. That Thank seems you. like such Thank a you. rewarding trip. Very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of went from being this thing where I was like, oh, I'm taking a break from work and my stressful Manhattan life to having a purpose. Do you think you'll be back to Poland anytime soon? 
yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's more work to be done. Uh, if I get the citizenship, if the, if the papers work out, I, I want to go there and spend some time living there and get to know it, get to know more people. Of course, I made friends while I was there. I was there for five weeks. So I have connections and stuff. Jonathan, why don't you give a plug on your uh, blog? What's the oh. name of it so we can uh, have our listeners uh, go and take a look at it? All right. The blog is my name, johngraff.nyc. So it's J-O-N-G-R-A-S dot N-Y-C. I've had a chance to go and look at it. It's it's really uh, an amazing journey that you took, and the information that you share was really um, personal and uh, really made someone who's reading it connect with you and the journey. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for saying such a nice thing. That's really, really nice. Going back to RA stuff, <laughs> um, do you happen to still stay in contact with anyone from your staff or anyone you knew? Hell, hell yeah. <laughs> shout hell out yeah. to the <laughs> Absolutely. Isabel, the answer to that is yes. Amazing. And my Weinstein family, we are still buddies all these years later. I would like to give shout outs to Mark Bowling and Andrea Abelson and Anna Perez, Ian Weiss, Christine Miranda, Will Petrie, and Ryan Sylvester. Wow, that's, that's right. a lot. I love it. I love it. That's right. We all still keep that's in touch. Awesome. I saw Will Petrie in Lisbon. And I was visiting Lisbon with Anna Perez. I mean, like, these are people I've known for 15 years because of Weinstein. That's incredible. All Weinstein RAs. Really, really nuts. I visited Andrea. She's living in Bolivia right now. Mark is still in New York. Ian's in New York. We just had brunch a few weeks ago when I came back from my trip. I mean, it's it's amazing. And, and you know, I think that's one of the distinguishing characteristics of NYU because of the globalness of the institution, that you're going to meet NYU people all over the world again and again and again. So... Uh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Now it's time for speed round, Jonathan. It's okay, time okay. for us to give you a quick question, a quick answer back. Right. Favorite tradition okay. at NYU? Oh, uh, strawberry day. Did you go abroad? No. Best dining hall? Hayden before the renovation. Favorite NYU teacher? Her name was Mosette Broderick. Did you have a part-time job? You already told me this, but which one did yeah. you like? <laughs> what was the favorite one? <laughs> I liked working at Con Ed and uh, being an RA the same. <laughs> Any celebrity sightings as a student? Yes, Janine Garofalo once, and I shook Bill Clinton's hand. Wow. Finally, <laughs> no more speed round. What was your most memorable RA experience? Oh, uh, you know, um, we used to go to the cafe on the corner uh, called Cafe de Universidad which no longer exists. It's that ramen place on University and uh, Waverly right there. I know where it is. We see it right now yeah. out my window. And we had really, really bad pizza and refrigerated paninis. But late nights, we would hang out on the stoop and then you know, go get some food with our residents and the other RAs and have some really good bonding sessions. I'll never forget that. That's a special thing about being an RA, creating those extra memories uh, with your RA peers, but also with your residents. So uh, thank you. You captured it really, really well. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Um, that yeah. last story was just so wholesome. <laughs> Great way <laughs> to close our show. Um, yes, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life has taken you. Like, it's taken you around the world after NYU. 
As always, thank you to our listeners who can stay connected with our ALMs who are living the Dream School alumni version of life. Jonathan, you're an impressive young man, and it's great when people take off from their journey and and look for some meaning. And it's great to hear that you were able to do that for yourself and continue to do that. Don't ever let that go, Jonathan. Thank you, truly. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you and honor. Absolutely. Special thanks tonight to our engineer, Duncan Lemieux, and to the current professional staff and the alums like Ryan Sylvester, Mecca Scott, Allison Kestenbaum, Chris Paquette, and Sharon Eng, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, yes, I still read them, go to whatthey'reading.blogspot.com. Jonathan, what was your favorite book? Oh, uh, another speed round. Uh, uh, you know, I did the docs reference manual. Oh, God. All right. Skip <laughs> yeah. that one, folks. Finally, feel free to tweet at me at T.E.L.E.T. for a shout out. Until next time, think about how you can be reflective in your practice, learn things about yourself and others along the journey, and then share it with others. 